What's the relationship between alcohol and mental health? How does alcohol impact on your well-being? And how can you manage your alcohol consumption in a more considered way? That's what I'm talking about this week here on Let's Talk About Mental Health, the weekly podcast that teaches you how to look after your well-being. So get comfortable and let's talk about mental health. Hello and welcome to episode 191 and thanks so much for joining me as I talk about alcohol and mental health. I'm Jeremy Godwin and I share practical tips you can apply immediately based on quality research and my own personal experience following a breakdown in late 2011 that changed my life. Each week I look at how to improve one specific aspect of your well-being. In this episode I'll be talking about what alcohol is, why understanding alcohol and its impact matters, and how to manage alcohol in a thoughtful way for the sake of your mental health. So, let's talk about alcohol. I may as well start today by telling you that I am not going to tell you to stop drinking entirely, even though I myself have recently celebrated five years of sobriety. I'm telling you that upfront because I know that there is very likely to be a whole bunch of resistance to this episode. And this topic in general. After all, alcohol consumption is so woven into the fabric of our society that it's rare to find someone who doesn't drink, although not as rare as it used to be. I'm a firm believer in the power of individual choice and individual accountability. And so that's why I'm not going to get all preachy and sanctimonious about drinking, because you're an adult and you can make your own choices without having me lecture you or do a sales pitch on the many benefits of no longer drinking. Although the lack of hangovers and throwing up has definitely been lovely in my personal experience. What I am going to do today is have an honest, open, adult conversation with you about all of the things you need to bear in mind when considering your alcohol consumption, especially if you're prone to mental health issues like anxiety or depression. And then it's up to you to make an informed choice about how you want to manage your own relationship with alcohol. So with that in mind, let's kick off with some definitions and let's talk about what is alcohol. And you might be thinking, well, of course I know what alcohol is, but bear with me because you'll hopefully find this eye-opening. Alcohol, or specifically ethanol, which is the active ingredient in alcoholic drinks, is a psychoactive substance that is widely consumed across the globe. It's known for its effects on our mood and behavior, and it can offer temporary feelings of relaxation or euphoria. However, we need to say a big cheers to the tipsy elephant in the room and acknowledge that alcohol is a poison. Sure, we can drink small quantities of it without any significant damage, but that doesn't change the fact that it is lethal in the right quantity. Let's not forget that it was alcohol that took out many a hard-living rock star. I mean, Amy Winehouse, of all people, the woman who single-handedly smoked, snorted, and injected enough drugs to take out a small army, died of alcohol poisoning following an evening with a couple of family-sized bottles of vodka. May she rest in peace. My point is that anything that can kill you in large enough quantities 
is something that is worth approaching very, very cautiously. And yet, alcohol is everywhere. It's embedded into virtually all layers of society, and it plays a huge role in many social customs. Think about our urge to toast the new year at midnight, or to raise a glass to the happy couple at a wedding. However, when it comes to the topic of your mental health, alcohol plays a complex and often problematic role. When you drink alcohol, it can produce feelings of pleasure, relaxation, and euphoria. And these short-term effects can make it an enticing coping mechanism for people dealing with stress, anxiety, or negative emotions. However, this is where things get complicated. Alcohol appears to offer temporary relief, but it can become less effective over time, eventually requiring more and more to achieve the same effect. Excessive or frequent alcohol consumption can contribute to a range of mental health challenges and impact your emotional well-being, cognitive functions, sleep patterns, and more. Even more concerning, it could interfere with treatments for mental health conditions and potentially lead to alcohol dependency. So the piece here is that while it seems like it's making things feel better when you're stressed or struggling, it's actually making things worse. Alcohol is a depressant in that it slows down our functions. So while it may seem initially that it's making us feel buzzed and euphoric, over time, it reduces the activity of the central nervous system, dampening the communication between your brain cells. There's a good reason why you may find yourself feeling flat or even a bit depressed after a drinking session. It's the booze. As the amount you consume increases, the depressant effects of alcohol become more pronounced. Effects like drowsiness, emotional instability, and a decrease in cognitive functioning. Growing up, our next-door neighbour Marge would often hit the beer on a Saturday, and by dinner time, she'd be singing along drunkenly to the greatest hits of Foster and Alan, crying her eyes out as she slurred the words of Maggie. If you have no idea who I'm talking about, they're an Irish duo who your nan probably loved. So, <laughs> over time, heavy use or reliance on alcohol can contribute to an array of physical and mental health problems, including the development of depressive disorders. This, along with the potential for addiction, underlines the complexity of alcohol's impact on our bodies and minds. I mean, if you're drinking to feel better, then the paradox of that is that over time, it's actually making you feel worse. And then it turns out the elephant in the room has a drunken twin. And I am really going to rattle your cage here because emerging research indicates that alcohol usage can contribute to cancer. According to the Cancer Council Australia, and I quote, we know that alcohol and ethanol in particular is considered to be a class one carcinogen. The evidence is really strong of the link between alcohol use and cancer risk. 
And you'll find the link for that article in the transcript, which is available for free at ltamh.com in English, Spanish, and Portuguese. So, with all that in mind, now let's talk about why understanding alcohol matters. And I think it's fair to say that, like any coping mechanism, when you have a full understanding of all the ways it can impact on you physically and mentally, you're better able to make an informed decision about how you approach it. Anytime you choose to be considered and thoughtful about the coping mechanisms you use, especially when it comes to managing stress and anxiety, that's a cause for celebration because it means you're making smarter and more informed choices. In particular, stress is a common one for a lot of people where alcohol tends to play a role. It's fairly standard for a lot of people to have a glass or two of wine or a couple of beers at home at the end of a tough day, or maybe head to the pub with friends or colleagues for a drink to put a challenging day behind you. It's something that is very prevalent in certain cultures, such as here in Australia and in the UK, and it can feel almost impossible to resist the amount of social pressure that goes along with these types of social events. However, let's talk about the connection between alcohol and stress for a moment. According to an article by US medical resource GoodRx Health, and I quote, When stress is high, you are more likely to drink alcohol as a way of coping. This link is true for both men and women. But there are gender differences in drinking patterns. After stressful situations, men are one and a half times more likely than women to binge drink, and men are two and a half times more likely than women to have alcohol use disorders, a condition marked by problematic drinking patterns. And that article is linked in the transcript. So, the question I want you to think about is this. If you drink, even if it's occasionally, what is your alcohol consumption doing to you? And at the same time, is how much you're drinking actually safe? Because the answer may come as a shock. Now, I'm going to put aside for a moment the fact that some health services and even entire countries like Canada have recently stated there is no safe limit for alcohol consumption whatsoever, something that probably would have caused mass panic and general meltdowns here in Australia. I'm going to go off of the health advice given by the Australian government, which was just revised in December 2020, for what is considered safe consumption. Let me take a moment to read the guidelines, which are to reduce the risk of harm from alcohol-related disease or injury, healthy adults should drink no more than 10 standard drinks a week and no more than four standard drinks on any one day. The less you drink, the lower your risk of harm from alcohol. Children and people under 18 years of age should not drink alcohol. To prevent harm from alcohol to their unborn child, anyone who is pregnant or planning a pregnancy should not drink alcohol. For those who are breastfeeding, not drinking alcohol is safest for their baby. Following the guidelines keeps the risk of harm from alcohol low, but it does not remove all risk. Healthy adults drinking within the guideline recommendations 
have less than a 1 in 100 chance of dying from an alcohol-related condition. And again, that article is linked in the transcript. So, you're probably thinking, well then, I'm fine, I only have a couple of drinks a week. And therein lies the problem, because a standard drink is a measure that varies depending on what type of alcohol you're drinking. And it's a lot like those serving suggestions on food packets, where you think you're eating something better for you, and then discover that the low-fat label only applies if you limit yourself to one biscuit a week or two individual chips served with a side dish of sadness. The Australian measure for a standard unit of alcohol is 10 grams, which is equivalent to what you'd find in just 100 milliliters of red wine, which is way less than what most people pour in their glass at one time. So if you do the math on that, then 10 units equals a maximum of one and a half bottles of red wine a week. Now, I don't know about you, but I know it's very common for many of us to drink far more than that, especially in Australia where drinking is often a competitive sport. To cut a long story short, you're probably drinking more than the recommended limit. A lot more. Here's the point of all this. I'm not trying to scare you with all of these cold, hard health facts, but the reality is that if alcohol weren't such an issue, then we wouldn't have such a problem with it. According to the World Health Organization, alcohol kills about 3 million people each year. That's a lot. And then add on all the other issues it causes socially and individually not to mention how many acts of violence are linked to alcohol consumption. Beyond all of that, just at an individual level, the issue is how easily alcohol can become an unhealthy coping mechanism, regardless of the amount consumed. According to an article by ABC News Australia, because of alcohol's range of effects, including an anticipation or sense of chase attached to wanting it, people will continue to drink alcohol compulsively despite the risks, which can easily turn from an impulsive, enjoyment-oriented or rewards-oriented pattern of use to a more compulsive pattern of use. And as always, that article is linked in the transcript. So the main point here is to take a step back and be really, really objective about what role alcohol is playing in your life and what it's doing to your physical health and your mental health. For me, it wasn't until I finally stopped drinking once and for all five years ago that I realized just what an absolute mess I was making of things for myself. I was using alcohol as a very unhealthy coping mechanism to deal with my ongoing anxiety, and it had reached a point where it was taking more and more of the stuff to have any kind of effect on my system. Quitting was terrifying, but I knew deep in my core that I had no choice. Many of us, myself included, just are not wired for moderation in things. And so one glass tends to lead to two glasses, 
and so on and so forth until you're dancing on a tabletop with a bowl on your head, which I've done more than once. Let me be blunt. I mean, I'm going to be anyway. (laughs) The negative effects of alcohol far outweigh the positives. And with more and more research emerging that paints a picture of it being as bad as tobacco and just as insidious, it's time for each of us to rethink our relationship with alcohol. So how do you do that? Well, first, let's take a quick break to hear from the brands who help keep this show running. And welcome back. Now let's get into the how-to part of today's episode and let's talk about how to manage alcohol in a thoughtful way. Because doing so can provide valuable insights into your habits and behaviors, allowing you to identify potentially harmful patterns, such as using alcohol to cope with stress. Understanding those types of patterns can be the first step towards adopting healthier coping strategies, which was a topic I covered in episode 179. Be honest with yourself and remember that alcohol can significantly impact your mental health, potentially leading to disorders such as depression and anxiety, and possibly interfering with treatment for existing conditions or even making them worse. It's also important to remember that heavy or frequent drinking can affect your quality of life, impacting on areas like your work, studies, relationships, and hobbies. And so that leads to my next point. Stop making excuses. And this is where I get really blunt. Who knew it was possible to be any blunter than I already am? Be honest with yourself about the choices you're making and why you're making them. Because I'm quite open about my own struggles with alcohol in the past and my decision to quit drinking five years ago. And I find that I tend to get a lot of people asking me questions about it. And a common reaction is often, but I couldn't imagine never drinking ever again. Or, but my job, relationship, or insert excuse here is so stressful, I need a drink sometimes. And to that, I'm like, well, your choice is your choice. But at least be honest about the fact that you're making excuses. And the fact is that you're basically saying it's easier to make an unhealthy choice than to be a bit uncomfortable, because that's precisely what's happening. You can dress it up all you like, but if you're using alcohol to help you cope with any kind of stressful situation, then you are choosing an unhealthy coping mechanism that comes with a whole range of risks and side effects and which will make things worse over time. So, yes, that is blunt, but it's also true, and it's better to face the truth. Okay, next, take ownership. And by that, I mean to own your choices, because nobody can force you to do or say anything. It's like the one fundamental thing of being a human being, that we all have free will. And so it's up to you to make smart choices for yourself. That means taking responsibility for the choices you make as an adult. Nobody can make you drink and no situation forces you to drink. These are choices you make yourself, whether consciously or subconsciously. And all choices can be changed. Sure, it's not easy to find new coping mechanisms, 
but it's definitely possible. And speaking of, my next point is actively work on building healthier coping mechanisms, which is something I touched on before. And the piece here is about recognizing that there are lots of alternate ways to manage stress or tough times than simply reaching for a glass or bottle or keg of something alcoholic. Go for a walk, read, do something creative, talk with someone, etc., etc. Like I said earlier, I covered coping mechanisms in a lot more detail in episode 179, so check that out for more ideas on how to tackle tough times in a more thoughtful way. Okay, next, understand your triggers. If certain situations make you more likely to drink excessively, recognize these triggers and develop strategies to manage them. As I often say in this show, prevention is better than cure, so look at how you can manage those situations differently. Okay, next, be wise if you do drink. And that means avoiding drinking as a means of coping with negative emotions or to improve your mood, since alcohol is a depressant, and so it can make things worse in the longer term. When you do drink, set clear limits for yourself and pay attention to how much you're drinking, the pace at which you're drinking, and how it's making you feel. Also, factor in alcohol-free days to give your body time to recover, And be sure you understand how the health standards and guidelines compare to your own level of drinking. You can also try my next point, which is find alternatives. And that means finding no alcohol or low alcohol options, which can help if you find the ritual of drinking comforting, but want to reduce your alcohol intake. There are lots of non-alcoholic alternatives for beer, wine, and spirits available now, and I mean lots. You know something is becoming popular when the supermarkets find a way to make money off of it, and I don't know what it's like where you are, but here in Australia, ours are heavily promoting low and no alcohol options in a variety of flavors and formats. The free market will always follow consumer demand. And so the more people that buy these products, the more options that become available. Okay, next, monitor your general consumption. Because keeping an eye on your alcohol use can help you to spot signs of increasing tolerance or dependency early, allowing you to address the issue before it escalates. So regularly assess how your drinking habits are affecting your mental and physical health. Be honest with yourself. And if you notice negative effects, take steps to address them. Okay, next, get support. If you're struggling to manage your drinking, don't hesitate to reach out for help. There are lots of different options, such as talking to a healthcare professional, attending a support group, speaking with your doctor, or confiding in a trusted friend or family member. And if you're using alcohol as a coping mechanism for stress, anxiety, or depression, then seeking professional mental health care can provide healthier and more effective coping strategies. Okay, so let me give you some quick tips for looking after yourself if you are drinking, such as eat before you drink, because drinking on an empty stomach can speed up alcohol absorption and make its effects worse. So make sure you have a meal before you start drinking. 
drink water because alternating between alcoholic and non-alcoholic drinks, ideally water, can help keep you hydrated and reduce your overall alcohol intake. Set a limit and stick to it because you're in control of what you choose to drink. So take control. Measure your drinks, especially if you're drinking at home. Be aware of the amount of alcohol you're pouring. It's very easy to pour more than a standard drink without realizing it. So using a measure can help ensure you're not unintentionally over-drinking. Delay your first drink. If you usually start drinking at a certain time, try delaying that by an hour or two. This can help reduce the amount of alcohol you consume. And now, if you've decided to quit or limit your alcohol intake, then here are some practical tips to help you on your journey. Set clear goals. Decide what you're going to do and when, and be clear with yourself about why you're making that choice. I find it helpful to remind myself of my why on a regular basis because it helps keep you focused. Tell people. Let your friends and family know about your decision to stop or reduce drinking. Their support can be invaluable, and it's also a chance to set boundaries with them. Find healthy alternatives. Look for non-alcoholic drinks you enjoy, because these can help when you're in social situations where drinking is common, or if you find the habit of having a drink in your hand comforting. Manage your triggers. Like I said earlier, recognize situations, feelings, or people that make you want to drink, and develop specific strategies to handle these triggers like practicing stress management techniques or planning ahead for social events. Create a supportive environment. If possible, remove alcohol from your home or at least keep it out of sight. Surround yourself with people who support your decision and respect your boundaries. Take it one day at a time. I didn't have a plan to be one year sober, let alone five years or 10 or 20. I just took it one day at a time and focused on why I wanted to stop drinking. And now, here I am. Small steps add up to big results. Celebrate your milestones. Reward yourself for your progress, whether that's a week, a month, or any other milestone you've set. Celebrating your victories can boost your motivation, and it helps to reinforce that anything is possible with time, effort, and perseverance. And you'll find more tips as well as the science behind alcohol and your mental health in my latest video, which is available now on YouTube and Spotify. Because when it comes to alcohol and mental health, what it all boils down to is this. Looking after yourself means making smart, informed decisions and challenging old assumptions. And when it comes to alcohol, there are a lot of assumptions to be challenged. Just like we now have a much clearer picture of how harmful smoking is to our health, so too are we starting to look very differently at alcohol and its negative effects on our physical and mental health. Take time to think about your own relationship with alcohol and consider how you can reduce the risk of doing harm to yourself and others by managing your intake in a more thoughtful way. Managing alcohol consumption is a personal journey and different strategies work for different people. You need to make the choices that are right for you by finding what works best for you and your mental health. Remember, it's completely understandable to find this type of change challenging, and it's okay to ask for help. 
Changing habits takes time and patience, but the benefits to your mental and physical health can be significant. The choice is yours, as it is with all things related to your well-being. So, what choice will you make today? Each week I like to finish up by sharing a quote about the week's topic, and I encourage you to take a few moments to really reflect on it and consider what it means to you. This week's quote is by an unknown author, and it is, Alcohol is not the answer, it just makes you forget the question. Let me repeat that. Alcohol is not the answer, it just makes you forget the question. Alright, that's nearly it for this week. Next week I'll be talking about the negativity bias. Ever found yourself dwelling more on negative experiences than positive ones? That's not necessarily just you being a pessimist. It's a well-known psychological phenomenon called the negativity bias, which often sees us paying far more attention to the bad stuff than the good. So next week, I'm going to explore how it shapes our mental health, our perception, and our decision-making. I'll be talking about what the negativity bias is, why understanding it matters, and how to counteract it for the sake of better mental health. I hope you'll join me for that episode, which will be released on Sunday, the 13th of August, 2023. Follow or subscribe on your preferred podcast platform to stay up to date with new episodes. And remember that I also create weekly videos with extra content. You'll find my videos on YouTube and Spotify. If you'd like more tips to help you look after your mental health, then sign up for my free newsletter, Thursday Thoughts, plus follow my two Instagram accounts, LTA Mental Health and It's Jeremy Godwin, where I post extra content daily. And if you'd like ad-free episodes, as well as early access a full week before everyone else, then become a supporter on Patreon. You'll find all of those linked in the episode description and in the transcript at ltamh.com. Thank you very much for joining me today. Look after yourself and make a conscious effort to share positivity and kindness out into the world because you get back what you put out. Take care and talk to you next time. Let's Talk About Mental Health is an independent program proudly produced by Reconnaissance Media, helping you find meaning and gratitude. For more information, visit reconnaissancemedia.com.